You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Oh, hey, Friday. How's my favorite group of people out there in the podcast world? Welcome to Duffified Live. I hope I didn't blow your ears out that way. You know, every single week uh, when I start to record this show, uh, I hop onto Skype and I plug my microphone into my laptop and I put my headphones into my ear. And then Jerry P. Tuck from the Radio Influence Boys uh, texts me and says, yo, homie, you ready? And I say yes. And then in a random world, I have no idea if it's one second, five second, 12 seconds, 15, he calls me and it literally blows my ears out. So um, it's a fun little game that we get to play of whether or not uh, Jerry P. Tuck's going to blow my ears out um, at the beginning of the show, which... I want to let everybody know something. We've got a little bit of an iconic day happening today because um, the way that I record this show is I typically do my guest first. And then after I do my guest, I do a close. And then after I do the close, I do an open. And the reason why I do it that way is because in case there's something really big or poignant that happens during the interview process, I can reference it in the beginning of the show. It's just a nice way that I like to do it. And Jerry and Jason are always really cool with the way that we do um, our, our, our show. But uh, at the end of this episode, you're going to realize, uh, because I mention it, that we are in the middle right now in the beginning of episode number 100 and 25. I've done 125 episodes of Duffified Live. When I look back on the guests that we've had on this show, I mean, it, it's mind boggling. You know, we've talked to uh, we've talked to Nick Liberato three times. Today will be number three. We talked to Kev Deshane twice, Chad Rosenthal twice, Panini Pete once, all my other chef buddies once or twice. We've kind of I've played around with a mix to try to see, uh, you know, uh, the original, the original way that I wanted to do this show was to be able to have people that I found super interesting on the show. Um, it is one of the things that I've loved because I meet really cool people all over the world. And when I hear about their lives and I hear about the stuff that they do, I want to bring them to you guys. I, I want you to meet them. I want you to hear about them. I want you to hear their stories. And look, some of them have been, have been just awesome. Some of them have been over the top. Some of them have, you know, dropped bombs and, and gone through. I mean, as I look down through my list, I mean, we're talking about Kev Deshane, Manushka Guerrier. We've got Joanne Chinchuli, Andre Bope, Rocco Whale, and Jennifer McKinnon, Jess Pryles, Rose Lawrence, Monte Carlo, Amy Polinsky twice, Bob Deck, Manit Chohan, Carl Ruiz, Russell fucking Davis, Jen Royal, Miss Pennsylvania, uh, hold on. My website is, uh, is opening up right now, but we we've got such a, a massive group of people that we've spent an hour with on the phone, talking about them and listening to their lives. And 
and who they are and what they do. And it's such a neat thing for me. And the fact that you guys are still hanging out there listening, you know, the fact that I know that my buddy Jeff listens to the show when he drives to work and, and my buddy Paula uh, listens to it, you know, while she's at work or when she used to clean houses. And when people uh, comment to me on Twitter or Instagram or something like that, like that, how much they love the episode or how much they enjoyed it. Or when friends of mine, you know, a friend of mine texted me this morning and she's like, Hey, uh, let me get back to you. I'm listening to the podcast. And I was like, what do you mean? Like what episode? Tell me, you know, I love your feedback. So I don't care where you do it. Just, I'd love to know who, what you guys think of the show. Feel free to tell me that's not a, a pitch for that. I just want to know. And, uh, you know, we, we've got some really amazing guests that we've talked to and some experiences that have come out of this that I never in my life could have imagined. You know, I just wanted to talk to cool people. So we've got a couple uh, new guests that are going to be coming on in the next couple of weeks that I'm really, really excited about as well. And we're only growing. But I think what I found is that some of the people that I enjoy talking to the most are really chefs and people that are in the industry because, it's a great conversation, and, and one of the things that I hear from people uh, the most is that they, they are, they're big fans of the show because we kind of highlight that hospitality world, you know? We highlight it. Um, we, we've had episodes where we've just talked about, you know, fuck, man, hashtag fuck Yelp. You know, like we did a whole show just on that process, you know, grab a manager, have a conversation with them, let them know because they can address the problem right then. If you go directly to Yelp or to, to an online source, now we're in defensive mode. We've got to, we've got to put fires out at that point, but if we can address the situation in the house. So, uh, you know, when I do these episodes and I do these shows, I hope that everybody takes something away. Um, that is my, my goal. For, for everybody is to be able to, to walk away with something that they're like, wow, I never thought about that. Or I didn't know that that, you know, that happens in the, in the industry. Um, so I, I hope you guys get to pull a, a good bit of stuff out of that when we do it and, and try to try to get some fun out of it. So, um, but this week on, on Duffified Live, well, no, you know what, hold on. I want to back up a little bit because I, I'd like to talk about my week and, and I didn't do that yet. So, I uh, flew down to Jacksonville, Florida. I got to go down and uh, hang out with my daughter. It was her 19th birthday. Um, so I flew in on Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, I took Em and her, uh, her roommate out to lunch. There's a great little spot in a small section. I don't know the subsections of Jacksonville, everybody. But if you're ever down there, there's a really cool little spot called The Fox. And we get brunch there. It's probably my third time being there for brunch. And um, it's just a really neat little eclectic place. They've got a good selection of food on the menu. And they do a really nice job. Um, so if you're ever down there, and these aren't plugs. These aren't like, you know, promos. These are just me telling you where to go. Jacksonville is a great little place called The Fox. And then Saturday, uh, we ended up uh, kind of chilling out. Um, went running around, uh, you know, my, my daughter and I just kind of hung out and, um, in and out. We hung out in the dorm for a while. We ended up going, going out super simple, nice meal, just the two. Then on, uh, on, uh, so sad, I guess it was, was it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, uh, I woke up, I ran back over to the hotel, 
um, or over to the dorm. I grabbed M. Her and I went and got massages, her first ever massage. Um, so we got massages. I realized that I fucking I tore a tendon in my finger while I was taking a sock off. So I've got a splint on my hand right now. Um, and then from there, we ended up going out and getting a nice little breakfast and um, kind of rolling through uh, Jacksonville a little bit and uh, dropped her back off at the dorm in the afternoon. I went back over that night, picked her and her uh, boyfriend and her roommate up again. And we went out to dinner to this cool little place in Jacksonville Beach called Ragtime. Had a great server. Her name was Sarah. She was awesome. So Sarah, you did an awesome job. Um, super friendly and um, very knowledgeable about what you did. The food was good. You know, I mean, it was, it was good. Uh, they did a, a nice job. It wasn't over the top. Um, but it was nice. And, and we had a nice little birthday dinner and sang and did all that stuff. And then, um, ended up going back to, uh, uh, we, was that? I'm so confused. Yes. Cause then Monday, uh, we woke up, we had a bunch of meetings that we had gone to at school, took care of some stuff that Em had to do at school, went out to breakfast, did a little shopping, like, you know, the typical birthday shit. And then Monday night we go to this place called Modu Ramen and Modu, uh, is a great little ramen spot. They're a little unorganized with the way that they're doing stuff, but the food is awesome. Beautiful, beautiful broth. The product that they put together is really good, but it's kind of funny because every time we go in, the servers are always running around because the servers are the hostess as well. So there's always like a buzz going on and there's always a, a flustered server who's like, um, uh, can you uh, just give me like one minute and I'll be right with you guys. You know, and five or 10 minutes later, you're looking at a menu and somebody's saying, oh, have you been helped yet? You know, it's kind of funny, but I'll, I'm going to tell you what. The food is just awesome. It's called Modu Ramen. It's over in Jacksonville. Don't know where, but you guys can figure it out. Um I decided to do a little barbecue tour while I was down there this week. So on Monday, after I had dropped M off back at school, um, I went to two different places. Um, I went to one that was just a little kind of sandwich down and high quote dirty barbecue spot that I had a a rib sandwich, which is so funny because a rib sandwich, you know, is, is, you know, basically a half a rack of ribs thrown on top of some white bread with sauce on it. And it was good. I mean, it was like what you expect. It was down and dirty. I had barbecue sauce dripping down my elbow and, you know, I I had, I had what I call um, barbecue scars, which are the barbecue sauce on my, on my wrists and, and on my forearms. And then I left there and I went to another spot that I'm not going to mention the name of it because it's just not fair to them. But I was excited because through my research, it said that it was one of the better places. So I, I walk into a, a fairly busy, um, freestanding location um, that had uh, a parking lot on one side. I don't know what was really on the other side. It had a smokehouse in the back and then in the front was, uh, just, a, a you know, graded up windows and, uh, or gated up windows and you walk in and it's actually a really nice looking place. So I walk in, I go straight up to the bar. I sit at the bar, um, server hands me a menu, very nice server, very friendly, very knowledgeable. 
nice buzz kind of going through the whole place. You know, you could feel it. The music was good. Made me feel a little good because they were playing a couple songs that I heard that I play in my place. And, you know, when, when you're when you when you get that validation of something like, oh, OK, cool, like we're kind of on the same page. It's a good feeling. So I then ordered my food and I had ordered a half a pound of brisket one sausage link and two ribs and a side of collards, I believe. I can't remember what my side was. It's in a picture um, somewhere. But I, uh, the food came out about 25 minutes later. I understand lunch. I get that. And in my place, my window of execution and opportunity is 8 to 12. Okay, so I want your product, I want your order in the kitchen, and I want myself or anybody working in the kitchen to be able to get that order out to you within eight minutes. Eight minutes sounds like a a really quick time to produce a quality meal, but what everybody has to realize is the only thing that I'm cooking a la minute are my French fries, okay? Unless I'm doing a burger or like a chicken sandwich or something like that. My pulled pork is cooked. It's 12 hours in an oven. It's three or I'm sorry, four hours in a smoker. My briskets are 16 hours cooked. My ribs are five. My smoked chicken is two. So all of my product is ready to go. My, my, my half chickens are two as well. So all of my product is cooked. So it's a matter of doing a smoked wing, which, yes, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that between marinating or brining my my chicken wings in beer, which we do straight yangling and putting it in barbecue sauce and letting it marinate overnight or brine overnight. And then we smoke it and then we chill them and then we portion them and then we fry them to order and season them. Wednesdays, we do anywhere from 40 to 80 pounds of wings. You know, I mean, we do $10 wings. They're fun nights for us. We do six different sauces. But but what I'm getting to is like my ribs are already cooked. They're held at 158 degrees in an alto sham. I pull them out. I put them on the, ri- on the grill upside down so that I can get a nice little crust on my rib. I do a very, very thin glaze of sauce. I wish you guys could see me. I'm glazing my ribs with my hand and my mop right now. And we use a mop. I don't use a paintbrush. And then we take that rib. We put it on a plate in a, in a to-go container. We sprinkle our barbecue spice on top of it and we sell it to you. That's the way that it works. My ribs take three minutes to get to you. Okay, so I understand how long it takes to get barbecue out. I understand how long it takes to get barbecue out in a fast place. Trust me, I have stood in lines at long places. I've worked at places that have long lines of serving food, but your product is already cooked. So the product that I received was a half a pound of brisket that was it looked like it looked like it had been microwaved and then held. And I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I want everybody to understand that. Uh, the reason why I'm not telling you the name of the place is because I don't need to publicly embarrass them. It's, it's not the world that I live in. I don't go around looking for negative experiences. I want every place that I go to to exceed – to exceed whatever the expectation is that I have for that property. I want everybody to succeed. 
I've noticed over the last couple of weeks and months with my barbecue place in Philly and the other surrounding barbecue places that are in Philly, we are all supporting each other. We're all liking each other's pictures, whether it be that we're trying to see what somebody else is doing, whether we genuinely want people to do well. I like to see other people do well, and that's how I feel about it. When I got this plate of food, I was fucking pissed. Okay. I was angry. I got shitty fucking brisket that was dried out sitting on a plate. Okay. My saw the sausage that I received was deep fried so much so that the skin had actually curled off of the sausage. Okay. I'm going to actually go to my Instagram as soon as I'm done this and make sure that I did not tag the location of where I was because it's not fair to them for me to publicly rip them apart. I want you to understand that. Okay. I then got my ribs and the ribs were beautiful mahogany color throughout the whole thing. The thing that was missing on them was there was no spice, which is okay. I don't give a shit. That's not, if that is your style of barbecue, then more power to you. I choose to do a rub. A lot of places do rubs. Some don't. They do a mustard rub. They do a vinegar rub. They do whatever it is that they do. But being that, uh, you know, I kind of pride myself on the ribs that we sell I want to have a great rib. So the visually, visually, it was beautiful. But the problem is, is that ready for this? As a chef, I know this. The ribs were kept either in an alto sham or a steam table or something like that. And there was too much water in there and the temperature was too high. So the flavor and the fat had actually leaked out of the rib. So all you really had was meat with no flavor to it. So you know, I had, I had a water or something. I don't really even know what I was drinking, but I took a bite of the brisket and it was just, like I said, it was just really shitty. Um, you know, I, I cut into the sausage once and I was hoping that there was going to be this big pocket of flavor. That's what you're looking for. Smoke sausage should snap. You should bite into that and there should be a snap when you bite into that. Okay. Um, and, and when you deep fry sausage, it's just not the case. It's not what happens. So I, uh, uh, I kind of pushed, I ate my ribs because the ribs did have a, a good smoky flavor to it. The sausage, like I said, I took a slice of it. I took a bite of it and it was just, it, it just tastes like deep fried breakfast sausage to me with a very small kind of hint of smoke to it. So I kind of, you know, the server had come back over a couple minutes later and you know, how is everything? And I said, Oh, you know, it's good. You know, it's fine. Um, may I have the bill? And she said, yeah, do you want me to wrap this up? And I said, no, thank you. I'm, I'm okay. I'm in kind of a hurry. And she's like, but you didn't eat anything. And I said, yeah, no, I know. I know I'm good. I'm just kind of in a hurry. And she's like, no, what is wrong with your food? And I said, well, here's the deal. The brisket, this, the, this, this. She said, well, I want to grab a manager. I, I, I wasn't there for this. I wasn't there to complain. I wasn't there to try to prove somebody that my food's better than theirs. I just didn't want to interact with it at that point. It wasn't the world that I wanted to live in. They were super busy. The last thing that I want, want to happen. And I guess this is kind of a double-edged sword because when I think about speaking of it now, when I speak about it now and I talk about that, you know, social media world of, you know, am I going to go out and write or tell the person at that point? But at this point, it wasn't the right time. I didn't need to pull a manager, the chef or the owner out of the kitchen to complain about the food that I had. So I didn't. 
she went in the back to get the manager and I paid my bill and I left and I got into my car pretty quick and I, and I drove away. I didn't want, I didn't want the interaction to happen. So, um, so, so it, it, it ended up being okay. I, I, I handled it on my own. I just feel bad because I, I don't want, it just wasn't good barbecue, you know? And, and I don't know where I'm really kind of, kind of flowing with this, but the funny part is it kind of set the tone for the rest of my day. You know, a little bit later on, I went back. I'm not going to lie to you. I had the fucking meat sweats. I just ate two massive barbecue lunches, one that I didn't really finish, but I, a lot of meat going in you. I went back to the hotel. I got some work done. I hopped into the hot tub for a little bit and just relaxed. And then I went and took my daughter out to dinner to Modu, which was just beautiful. And then um, I dropped her off at her dorm. And, you know, as, as cute as my daughter is and as wonderful as she is, you know, she wanted to go back to her dorm. And, and then she got into her dorm. I got back to the hotel. Um, I laid down for a couple minutes. And then I got a text message that was, hey, daddy, can I Uber over? And I was like, of course you can, you know. And we ended up hanging out until about three o'clock in the morning and just watching stupid shitty TV and eating crappy food and all that. But um, woke up the next morning. And the really cool thing is that there's a great barbecue spot in Jacksonville and it's called the Bearded Pig. And uh, I've been there three times so far. And every time it's been a great experience Um, on a business level as well. It's been a great experience to be able to walk walk in the front door of a place and have somebody greet you from behind the bar. Hey, how are you? You know, have you ever been here before? Uh, yeah, we have. Okay, great. Enjoy. You know, um, somebody walked in behind us. They said, no, perfect. You're going to walk right over here to the counter and place your order. Like they were guiding you and directing you. And Jerry, you know, I just dropped my mic. Um, but, uh, You know, they guided you and directed you through because it's a different experience ordering barbecue. You're not sitting down at a table and placing an order. You're walking up to a counter in an an uncomfortable way. You're placing an order via a menu that's 15 feet away from you. You're talking to somebody who's directly in front of you who is just, you know, kind of pounding away at a keyboard. Um, But but they make it a really good experience. And when you sit down, uh, you know, when you place your order – and the servers are able to reply, would you like a side with that? Hey, our sides are a little bit small. You like the collards, like blah, 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 blah. She was really good at that. Can I get you a beverage? You know, your, your sodas are directly behind you. If you'd like a beer, you have to go to the bar. Just a very good direct way. They then hand you the number. You walk out. You sit down at your table. A couple of minutes later, three servers walked out to me. I got sausage, brisket, beef rib, pork ribs, collard greens, cold slaw, mac and cheese, and they gave me a side of bread. Um, I ate it all, except for the bread and the slaw. The slaw, not a huge fan of it. I'm not a vinegar-based slaw guy. I like a mayonnaise slaw. I put vinegar in mine. Nothing wrong with it. I, I ate a portion of it. It just wasn't for me. There's not to say that it's bad. It just wasn't for me. Their collard greens were one of the greatest collards that I've had in the country at this point. The, the spices that they put into them and the seasoning that they put in is just brilliant. I love the carrots that they're putting into it. I like the sweetness of the carrot so much so that I'm actually going to add a little bit of carrot into my collard greens. Thank you, bearded pig. Um, their Mac was good. They use a cavatappi. They use a pretty straightforward cheese sauce. It was nice. It was a good thing to see, you know, but the beef rib was just on point. But what got me more than anything else was when my three servers and three of them delivered my food. They placed every dish or every quarter sheet tray in front of us and 
Hey, just so you know, this is your beef rib. These are your St. Louis pork ribs. This is your half a pound of brisket. Actually, I got a quarter and they offered me for a fat or lean, or you can do a mix and your sausage like described everything to me. And, and, and originally I thought, okay, this is maybe, this is a little bit weird, but I realized that was every table. So that's their standard. That's what I call nuts. Nuts are non-negotiable, unalterable terms, systems, and standards. Things that you hold true to form and true to belief within your restaurant. Um, and it was really a pretty awesome experience. And just for something as so basic and simple as running around to get some barbecue on the last day before I could drop my daughter back off at school, before I hop on a flight to go home, it was just a really nice experience. So I'm going to end that little segment with thanks to the bearded pig in Jacksonville. Um, you guys do a really nice job. And, and in this world of barbecue that we're all living in, that I'm now finding a much more comfortable level. I just want to let you guys know that it's really nice to see um, how well you execute the product that you guys execute. So, um, so thank you very much. Um, with that being said, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, going to other cities and locations and checking food out and constantly traveling and doing all that. I got a guest on the show this week who is um, near and dear to my heart. He's uh, one of my best friends in the world. He's a gentleman that I care very deeply about. I love him um, as a brother and as a family member, despite the fact that he's neither, but he is. Um, uh, I have uh, had the luxury and the honor of being a friend of his for multiple uh, years. I, I, you would have thought we've known each other for many years prior to this, but we actually became friends via Bar Rescue. Um, and then we shot a pilot. You know, he shot a pilot uh, with me on something that I was doing. And we've just become very good friends. And um, I, I love this guy. Uh, I, I enjoy hanging out with him. I am I'm proud of him for his accomplishments. I adore his wife. I love all three of his daughters as if they were my own. Um, his family, I adore his mother and father. His father is quite possibly one of the funniest motherfuckers um, on Facebook that I've ever come in contact to because he sends me messages all the time on, on Facebook and I just have to laugh. Um, but if you guys can do me a huge favor, I would like to welcome my good friend. I'm so proud of him. I'm so excited for him for this next chapter that he's in the process for. We're talking about Nick Liberato. And why am I so proud of him is because of the fact that he's got a new show that comes out on Netflix on February 28th called Restaurants on the Edge. Um, Nick shot two full seasons of this. He traveled all over the world to remote locations from Costa Rica to St. Lucia to Hong Kong to Croatia, to literally around the globe to be able to share his craft, his vision, and his idea of what it is to do a rescue show in a really positive manner. So ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor, put your hands together. Welcome to Duffified Live for the 125th episode, Chef Nick Liberato. Hey, Nick, what's going on? <laughs> what's up, Chef Brian Duffy? Uh, so just so everybody knows, Nick Liberato and I have been talking for the last couple of minutes. Uh, and, uh, he, and he asked how my finger was. And I let him know that I tore a tendon in my finger when I was putting a so <laughs> taking a sock off when I was getting a massage. You know how wow. you take your finger it and you slide it against the side of your ankle in between your sock and your, and your ankle to take yeah. your sock off? Well, I did that, and I tore a fucking tendon in my finger. 
who walks out of a, a massage with like a, a, a torn tendon in their finger? And you know, it's the worst. She probably kept all cool about it. I did. I took, I looked at the girl uh, and I'm like, you start walking on your back and they continue to your arms. And you know, like when you have like a pain and you're like in a massage, no, it didn't hurt. No, No, Nick, it didn't hurt. (laughs) Oh my God. It didn't hurt. And I texted a a friend of mine who's, who's a doctor in Philly. And as soon as I sent her the picture of it, her response was that's called mallet finger. Just uh, put a splint on it and go to a orthopedic, whatever. I don't know somebody. So I got to go see the fucking doctor this week. (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny man so hey nick everybody already knows who you are and all that good stuff but why don't you tell them real quick how they can follow you before we get into anything well my name's nick liberato i'm I'm originally from the philadelphia area uh i reside in venice california uh you can follow me on instagram at chef nikki or on twitter uh at caladelphia or facebook um chef nick liberato all right, so everybody, just so you know, that was uh, Facebook is uh, Chef Nick Liberato, Instagram is Chef Nikki, and Twitter is Caladelphia. That's C A L I D E L P H I A. So just so everybody knows, uh, you've been yeah. you've been kind of busy, dude. Things are happening, man. I'm uh, I'm I, you know I can't remember a time in my life I was more happy about how many irons are in the fire right now. You know, it's yeah. been a lot of hard work to get to this point, but you know, nothing happens overnight. I know you know that more than anybody. Yeah. It's a tough business, man. Especially the, you know, being, being a chef and being in the restaurant is tough enough, but then you add in flights and family and, you know, uh, an extension of your career. And I mean, you've been literally, you flew back to Philly the other day and you've been on a press junket for the last week. I have, I have one of the busiest days actually being on my birthday, but you know, I never, stop for anything. And, um, yeah, you just gotta, you know, keep at it. You know, I, I've, uh, recently, you know, we have a show that's going live restaurants on the edge, which will be going live on February 28th on Netflix, to awesome. 167 million Netflix accounts in 150 countries and 25 languages. So Damn. it's got a pretty good reach. That's it's how many languages? 25. So I, I, I would I would suggest you to definitely uh, you know watch me in a few languages. I'm sure that could make for some humor. <laughs> have you have you when you did so? And everybody knows uh, Nick did Bar Rescue. Did you ever hear or see the episodes of Rescue that were uh, done in other languages? I haven't actually. No, I never have. But I would so, love to see uh, John screaming like Chinese or something. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, uh, I think your guy and my guy are the same guy, our Latin speaking person. Oh, really? I believe he's the same dude. Cause he's reached out to me awesome. in the past when I did the show. I mean, I left years ago, but he reached out to sure. me in the past. and He's like, Hey, I'm your Spanish speaking you. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. It was pretty oh cool. My God. And, and then I started to listen to the episodes. I was like, Oh, this motherfucker is pretty cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I remember back in the day, um, when I met your brother, Tim, which was the reason I got on bar rescue in 2012. Um, you know, I remember kind of like researching the show and I was at a point in my career where I really had had not too much TV exposure other than uh, my spot on top chef masters and maybe like 
uh, a few news appearances throughout Los Angeles. Right. But, you know, I have to say, man, I did a lot of, you know, knowing who you were and how, you know, you were the first chef on Bar Rescue to really kick that whole thing off. I really, you know, uh, at the, you know, I, I really looked at your career, man. And, uh, you know, I, you, you've been in this for a very long time, you know, even though we've both been cooking for a while, you know, you certainly got into the entertainment aspect of it, um, far before me, but you know, you, you, uh, I, I looked at a, quite a few of your episodes just to kind of see the flow of the show. And, you know, it took a while for you and I to, to initially meet, but it was just destined for it to finally happen at some point. And I think ever since then, you and I have been like brothers. Well, do you remember the first time that we worked together? I think it was, was it at the event in Philadelphia? No, dude. Well, that was the first time that we like, Oh no. The first time we worked together was the show we shot in Huntington beach. That's right. We shot the pilot for, um, for chef on the line for chef on the line. That's right. And you had me at the uh, expo. Yeah. I do remember that. That's crazy. Oh my God. that's that was right. a great. That was a great show. That that fell. When, what that, year was that? Uh, uh, that was a year that I was thin. So if I were to go <laughs> back in pictures and try to find a thin picture of myself, I would have to say 14, 15, uh, 15, 16. Wow. Because we were both hardcore. Uh, no, 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 no. So if I started rescue, when did you start rescue? 12? I guess I started 11. 20, 2012. So 14. Yeah, I had, yeah, you had been into it at least a good good year at that point. The show I was, kind of, I, th- I believe it just picked up some good momentum at that point. It was, it was yeah. you know. Well, we were of out of, shows. we were out of first season and it, we were at the end of second season. So that okay. is when you and I had kind of connected at that point. Because you started second season, right? That's correct. I did. I what did was your first episode? I worked on it for four years and yeah, um, somewhere around like 17 episodes uh, with the show. And it was, a, you know, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, I think you and I made friends for life on that show, you know, oh. both in front and behind the camera. And got to travel and see a big part of the country, which probably at that time, maybe you hadn't seen some of those spots. And, you know, through the years, now you're, you're bouncing all around the country. I'm yeah. sure revisiting some of those places if you ever come across them, if they're still in business. Well, the cool part was, I mean, and I, I think you agree and you nailed it right off the bat are the relationships. I mean, first off, I, you know, I mean, you, you're like my brother to me. I mean, you're, you're, you're like Mike and Tim, you know I mean? And that's, for I think sure. the relationship that we have and, you know, my love for Jen, my love for the girls and, and all that stuff. But I think that the relationships that we created through the cast and other cast, meaning let me rephrase that because we, I, I, I want to, I think I want to say more crew. Don't get me wrong with the cast. I, I worked with a couple of mixologists. You worked with Mia almost all the time. You know, you worked Correct. with a lot of the same mixologists over and over again. You know, I got Michael Tips. I got Russell Davis. I got uh, a Diageo girl. You know, those okay. were kind of my flow in betweens. But your, you know, you did the show for four years. So I think that you had relationships a little bit more with cast, where my relationships were more with crew. You know, I mean, we both have, I mean, look, fucking Jeff Sims. I mean, you know, you look at some of these guys, I mean, Jojo, Jojo alone, the fucking Jojo, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I know she's killing it. It's amazing how many, uh, these relationships have been able to grow. I mean, I see some people uh, that live in the neighborhood in Venice that, that come to the restaurants quite a bit. JP, Mike Hellman, 
you know, all those guys. And, uh, you know, there's, I had a number of people reaching out to me, congratulating me on the show and, that's you know, there, it was just, it was just an amazing ride. And I think you also, you know, you've done an amazing job with all the nightclub and bar shows. You've been like a beacon as far as, you know, being the flagship, uh, for, for creating quite a few relationships that I'm, I hold very dear, you know, with, with Pete and Kayla and Chad and, you know, um, and Russ and, you know, all the amazing people that, that are, are part of nightclub and bar. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of you, what you've put together and also the, the, you, you have to realize all the, the great relationships you've built. You know, you put your, uh, I've never met anyone or anybody who's listened to this. I've never met anyone like Brian who in this business, there's a lot of people that have egos. There's a lot of narcissism and, and, uh, you know, uh, and Brian's always been a guy that always shares the spotlight where a lot of people want to keep people out of that for, for themselves. But that's why I've always held you so close as a friend, not only being a, a brother from Philly, but also just for the human being you are and the relationships that you've built and, and how you've always brought people into your world for everyone to kind of be together. And that's, uh, the, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. And, yeah. and I think you, you realized that a long time ago. Well, thanks, dude. I, I, I mean, it, one, it means a lot to me to hear you say that, and we're going to cry for a second here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and then, but I mean, it's, it, look, man, I, I want you guys around me all the time. You know, like I, I, we, we, so what people don't know is we have a group thread. We have a text thread that is 11 people strong. That is, in, that <laughs> yeah, encompasses, and it's been for like five years. For and, years. It, and, it, and it literally goes, you know, I mean, there'll be periods of time where Nick will be in fucking Costa Rica you know, or, or in like Shanghai and he's sending <laughs> pictures through and people on the East coast are replying, you know, like yeah. it's an ongoing thread. And then we've got guys like Matt Varga who has a baby Varga. at home, you know, and who has uh-huh. to put this thing on silent because you look down <laughs> at your phone, you know, a- an hour after seeing the first text come through and you've got 45 missed messages, you yeah. know, like, yeah, and, and there's exactly. there's there's conversations that start in the morning of good morning, everybody, you know, and Kayla's in Paris right now and just got back from England. And, you know, Panini's wife was going through cancer and, you know, Russ's kids are growing up and, you know, Kevin DeShane had a baby. And, you know, I mean, and Keith Breedlove with opening a restaurant. It's like this whole we're literally all together all the time. Even though we're yeah, not there. We're, no matter where we are, exactly. And there's not probably not a week or a month where one of us on that show oh, isn't somewhere different. Dude, sometimes the world. there's not three days. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And that's no exaggeration. And um and it, and it's a great thread because it's a great support system. And when you look at that thread of have you guys ever worked with this product? What do you guys know about this vendor? Hey, have you like Chad? Chad just hired one of Nat, uh, uh, Matt's old chefs. You know, it's yeah, like this that. huge group. Yeah, it's, and it's a it's neat. It's a really because there's issues that we've all had in our own businesses. You know, all working in the restaurant business, and we're bouncing off ideas as far as recommendations or advice, you know, for that particular person. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty funny, actually. I, I, I would look, I'd have to think there's many other threads. I, I personally don't have another thread like that with, with chefs. That, that's Neither the one I have that, you know, it's pretty I mean, cool. We've all got, I, I know you've got it. You have told me about your buddy thread. 
where it's just yeah. like, you know, guys that are, just you know, my, like taking a shit yeah. on a dude's chest, you know, like you can't get any yeah. more offensive. Yeah, we, um, I, uh, <laughs> I have a number of really good friends here and we, uh, you know, it's banter back and forth all the time. And it's fun, man. I mean, they're, they're good things and it keeps the, you know, I mean, it keeps the, 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 sometimes the monotonous world of what it is that we're doing. You know, we're in a restaurant, we're running back and forth, we're answering the phones, we're trying to get things posted. We're trying to be a dad. We're trying to be a good, you know, partner. We're trying to be good businessmen. We're trying to be personalities. We're trying, you know, which in reality, we don't have to try to be personalities. That, that, that was the wrong thing to say. I think that you are one of the more real people that I know that when I watched TV, I'm like, oh, I was out with him, that fucking dude last night. You know, not that physical <laughs> being, but that personality, that's the guy. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so likable in front of the camera is because that is who you are. You know, you're not playing yeah. a part. You're not trying to be a dick. You're not trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. You're just who you are. And I think that's exactly. one of the reasons why you've continued to move forward so much in the last couple of years. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, even like working on bar, there was certainly times that, you know, I think the show's always called for a lot of, uh, banter and, you know, going hard sometimes, but, you know, I've, I can look back on my career and think about the chefs and the experiences I've had within the business, which I would never change, but I, I, I lead with passion, you know, and I, I don't get anything out of belittling or demeaning anyone ever. Um, I know how I've personally felt in the past, but I also know the people that can embrace, you know, someone coming down hard on you within the kitchen and how you have to use that to your advantage and how that'll push you forward. Cause I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at if I was being coddled my entire career. You know, there's been very tough times where I would close out a night at a restaurant and come home and just want to die. You know, I was just like, you know, I have to go through, you know, so much, you know, <laughs> verbal abuse and, you know, on the line and it's, and it's a tough thing. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to compare it to. You know, we all, we kind of go to war every night that we're on the line. It's a, it's a very tough business. Um, people are constantly giving feedback of what they like and they don't like. And, you know, it's kind of what would make a chef an introvert or not the nicest person, you know, a lot of that, that, that comes down with a, you know, with a lot of chefs, but, I've really done my best to, you know, uh, grow into more of that restaurateur role where my eyes are constantly all over the business now, going over the PMIX reports, studying the labor costs, the food costs, uh, the front of the house operations. And, you know, as much as I was always cooking in the kitchen constantly, constantly, my, you know, I'm, I'm flowing far much more now all around the business and now in front of the camera more than I ever have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there becomes a comfort because you're not, you're not having to play a part. You're being you. And that's the thing. Your knowledge right. shines through with what you're doing. Your personality shines through. You're a genuinely caring person. It's not like, look, I, I think that rescue made we, we got, we really got caught up in, especially when you got out of the end of second season. And I don't mean you, I mean me, like I started to get caught up in that, that world of yelling. You know, people right. just thought <laughs> yeah. that that was the norm and, and that's not what it is, you know, and, yeah. and I it's, had to, you know, people not. like, oh, you know, I would start to do consulting jobs and I would walk in a kitchen and everybody's asshole would tight up, tighten up because they thought that I was going to fucking yell and scream at them. And I'm like, all right, everybody slow down, you know, yeah. and I and felt that I started to play a part 
with rescue as opposed to being myself? Sure. The, um, you know, and that's, you know, some, I have had people kind of come up to me and now starting to see the trailer come out for the show and more or less what the concept yeah. of the show is and be like, Oh, it's like bar rescue. I'm like, no, it's not. They am, you know, first off no. it's international. Secondly, it's uplifting in a positive way um, where I'm not screaming at anyone. And, and uh, you know, it's it shot, you know, beautifully, almost like chef's table um, between myself and my co-host. It's got a feel kind of like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy as far as the camaraderie of the team. And it has a travel aspect like uh, a Bourdain show. Um, so it's right. far different. It's very positive. And, you know, it, it touches every different aspect of the business. And I just think life and what, what people want to get out of life and traveling for me. And I think for you, it's probably been our best education that we've ever gotten Amazing. because it just makes you that much more cultured and it, it gets you connected outside of your bubble and patient and, it, and, and it's fucking patient. And what now I feel, I feel that I have become much more patient with a lot of things, much more accepting, less judgmental. You know, look, we, we right. grew up on the East Coast. We grew up on the East Coast. And yeah. We grew up in, in, you know, you're an Italian Catholic family. I'm an Irish Catholic family. You know, Correct. we grew up with the constant ribbing, the sarcasm, the, uh, you know, I, I got my ear pierced and my father said, oh, well, you know, I always wanted another daughter, you know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. And he called, and and he called for, me Brianna. So, <laughs> but, but me, I mean, that's you know, that. Go ahead. I, I was, I was going to say when I left Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia area 20 years ago to come to California, I, I think in a lot of ways I, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of running away in a certain way. I think, you know, one, because I wasn't getting in all the schools that my friends were getting into. And, uh, another thing I was just, I was different. I was, I was just a little bit, I was weird, you know, and, and as far as being a surfer and a skateboarder and, and just embracing that California culture before I even got out there. And, yeah. you know, I also wanted to just kind of find myself, but you know, I have always been a pretty sarcastic person growing up with the friends and family that I have, of course. Um, but you know, not every, you know, not everyone has thick skin. And I think through the years where you've become more patient, um, and you and I both grow up in Catholic families, we, we grew up with our, like our heart on our sleeve, you know, we, we give you the shirt off our back, but at the same time, it's, you can take things a little bit more personal or possibly make more assumptions that need to be made. Um, but I've, uh, I think what I've learned most about myself and how I've evolved um, is I make less assumptions. I don't take things personal. And um, I've just, you know, I, I feel like I've become that much better of a person now that I have three girls. You know, you're, a, you know, a girl dad as I am. And, too. and that kind of stuff changes you in life. Yeah. It totally does. And especially as they, you know, you're not even, you're, you're catching the beginning stages of it, you know, cause your girls are so young, you know, and, and, and for me, I mean, my girls are 19 and 16, you know, Fiona just got her permit the other day and, you know, I went down to Emily in Jacksonville for her 19th birthday and I'm, and I'm having adult conversations with my girls. You know, it's not just the hug and the pickup and the, and the playtime, that time with them, you know, so it's kind of cool to see that we're on both, we're on different spectrums, but having the same world, you know, of having to deal with girls and, and deal with that stuff. But, um, I mean, I, I think that 
you know, to watch what you've done over the last couple of years has been such a great thing because and, and seeing the trailer for what you're doing right now, listening to you talk about it, hearing the experiences, it's like, you know, it's like, OK, we need a, a, a person who does this. We need a person who does this. And we need Nick Liberato. Like you just fit yeah. into the mold for this show so well. The spirituality of it, the professionalism of it, the creativity, you know, all of that behind it. Plus the knowledge that is in your brain that you're putting out there is a great thing to watch. And I've only seen a fucking trailer. Yeah, I know. And you're so the, the season one, which will have six episodes in it. And it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. But yeah, I've, uh, you know, as I said, it, you got to manifest things in life and you also got to understand it's not always, you got to be careful what you wish for. It doesn't necessarily always come in the, uh, the way that you actually think what form it is. It's going to bring challenges. It's going to bring a lot of positive things. Um, and you just have to adjust and adapt like the Marines. And that's essentially what I've, I've had to do with a lot of so things. In my do life. me this, do, do this. Tell, give us the, give us the basic, the premise of the show. Of course. Uh, it's a show. You know, if you're familiar with the Venice Whaler, I took over it in 2014. So if anyone can think about any place that you've been in the world that has a great view, um, that, that uh, kind of banks from their view, and maybe it's a tourist trap, uh, we go around the world to beautiful locations that have great views. But these business or businesses, uh, restaurants, are underperforming um, because they've kind of lost touch with their environment or they're just not putting enough that they actually can put into the business. They're, they're lacking on decor. Um, you know, the, the systems in the front of the house, the cocktails, the food, and, you know, just the overall, you know, have to look at their business in a completely different way. And we uplift that in a positive way, as I said before, and, you know, do a pretty big transformation, not only on the business, but, the perception of the community to that business, but also the people. And it would, you know, there, there's a lot of that that certainly happens with many other shows, but I ultimately what sets this aside other than the cast is these out of sight locations that we shot in how it was shot and, and the stories that are actually being told. So how, I mean, the, the struggles that I see, with all of this, I mean, so how many countries did you guys go to? How many locations? Uh, well, in season one is uh, Malta, um, just south of um, Italy, um, south of Sicily. Uh, we have Austria. We have Hong Kong, Tobamori, and St. Lucia, and uh, Costa Rica in season wow. one. Wow. So those, you know, and I shot a good part of last year, you know, a very, you know, we wrapped at the end of July, beginning of August. And, you know, I, you know, never in my life have I, I dedicate myself to something that had so much love and had so much time put into it. Um, you know, yeah. not, not downing any of the previous shows I've ever worked on, but you know, you work on bar, you fly in and there was some, I think as I went on with the show, it was getting cut down even shorter as far as the short, the shoot time, but roughly you're there a week or less. Yeah. And, um, you know, these places certainly took a little bit more time because we're working in other countries. We, you know, we're, we're dealing with like, 
you know, we have one person or more on the ground that's kind of helping us connect with that community and meet, you know, anything that we need more or less, what's going to help us accomplish what we actually need to shoot. Um, but you, as much as you want to plan certain things, there's always something that can get in the way, you know, with weather or if you're shooting on boats or whatever it might be, you know, and you kind of have to just work on the fly and which is the way I think a lot of us have worked in the business because you can never plan what's going to happen in your service in a restaurant. Right. And you, you have to be able to have that creativity and be flexible enough to adjust to what's going to allow you to be able to accomplish what, what you need to do. How are you guys handling, like, I mean, the language barrier? I mean, you're, you know, well, it, it's, uh, you know, you're in a kitchen, you're having a conversation, you're trying to explain, you're trying to train, you're trying to showcase. How are you guys handling stuff like that? Well, Bri, I don't know if you know this about me, but I speak 10 different languages. No, I'm, not, no, I'm just kidding. That, that might be dude, just when you and I, I can't, have to dude, the, I mean, just to be able to speak St. <laughs> Lucian is uh, fucking impressive to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, well, as I said, you know, we, we've, uh, we have people on the ground that, that we'll, we'll meet with. And those people grew up in that community, you know, and they speak right. that language. And they're with us all day long, all, you know, during, throughout the entire shoot. And, right. uh, you know, I would say most of the places that we went to, um, people spoke great English, to be honest with you. Cool. Um, right. there, were, there were some barriers when we were trying to source things outside. But for the most part, we, I, I feel everyone got, a, you know, got along pretty well, you know, with the different places that we went to and the communication barrier. Um, people were always super welcoming. Um, right. I, I say that with my hand on a Bible that, you know, the, the experience that I had in all these different countries and the people that we met, um, including the restaurant owners, it was just, you know, it was just one of those unbelievable times that I will never forget. You know, I know you've done right. a lot of traveling and I think with anyone within their travels, you always remember these random people that you meet sure. and these crazy conversations and people that you might not ever see again or a place that you might not ever go back to again. But that's what makes traveling so important. And, you know, I, I used to think I went to places for the food, you know, but, you know, this experience certainly um, changed a lot of my ways of thinking. And, it, you know, it has so much more to do with just the people. And the people right. in these episodes are the true stars. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time through the years, you know, I, you know, I, I think it goes off saying I, I loved Anthony Bourdain and everything that he offered in, throughout his career. And, you know, as much as I always wanted to be like him, he, uh, you know, he had clearly his own problems and demons he had, had a battle with. So as I said, you got to be careful what you wish for, but yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's about the conversation, you know, and I, I learned a lot watching him, you know, over the past 15, 20 years. And sometimes it's good to just shut up and let people talk. Right. And that's when, the, so that's when the gold comes out, you know, when, when you know how to, you know, ask something and then just let the person talk. Um, because, you know, some people want to just kind of can hog the camera and this and that. And I think myself, my co-host, just did an unbelievable job of just really letting the, the uh, stars of the show be the, uh, the restaurant owners and the people that were kind of involved with the show because they were just bringing that gold, you know, that, those amazing 
uh, points that, that no one knows because you have to be in that country or in their world to really know. Right. When it came down to like the food level of what it is that you were doing, I mean, how challenged were you? You know, I mean, look, as chefs, we can create, we find a product, we, we know what to do with it. We've got our go-to, we've got standards of, of things that we work with. But, you know, I mean, when you're running into Hong Kong and you're walking into an iconic location, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, with a view and the whole nine yards, what are you doing in that case to kind of, you know, I mean, how deep are you tapping? How much research are you doing to come up with items for a menu or to assist that kitchen staff to update what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, every restaurant was different. Some were big, some were small. Um, some were, uh, you know, run by one person, some were run by a few. And it, I did a lot of research on these countries. I was also provided a lot of information, um, you know, before we would get there as far as like what country not to wear, uh, camo in or, you know, what the really? currency is. And yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You know, cause it's just, you know, we want to make sure we're in a safe environment and, sure. and that we're everything that we're doing, we're, we're, we're aware of, you know, we, we shot right. in Hong Kong and we flew out of there and I think it was almost three days later when all the protests started. So it's just like, oh, Jesus. I was just like overwhelmed that we were able to get that shoot done when we did it. And even more now what's going on with the whole coronavirus and stuff. It's like, uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, I, I had yeah. never been to China before or Hong Kong. Um, but creating the menus, uh, changing the people, thinking about the decor, you know, something that, um, well, Dennis and Karen, who are my co-hosts worked on together. You know, we always bounce a lot of ideas off each other, you know, constructive criticism, you know, ultimately figuring out what, what is going to be the best thing for these people and both like on camera and off because you can't shoot everything. I, I made a, I took a lot of time with all of these owners and talking to them about all the things that they ultimately need to do. Um, you know, I think a lot of it made it on camera and there's a lot that certainly not on it, but you know, these people were worth within, you know, a short amount of time of like losing their business or, or just constantly keep giving off the wrong perception to their guests. Um, right. Sourcing ingredients is certainly tough in other countries. You're never going to actually get what you want. Um, you know, it's nice to come prepared with certain things, but at the same time, you have to be, you have to make sure that this is going to be able to stay consistent for them. Because if you're bringing something from an outside area or possibly something that doesn't fit in the budget, that's not something that they're going to be able to keep up with. So we've really tried to just source things within their areas, some areas being much better than others, and, and right. figuring out what is going to work best for that place. Whether it was a cocktail, whether it was a dish, particular decor, signage, um, talking to a person about you know, not replying back to Yelp reviews in a certain way or TripAdvisor reviews. <laughs> um, yeah, right. it, went, it went all kinds of different directions. When I think that there's got, you know, I mean, there's such a different to have one, an iconic location, you know, the, the, the types of places that you guys are going to have to not get caught up in or to, to have to pull somebody out of that tourist kind of tourist trap, you know, like, you know, I mean, you imagine walking into the location that you're doing in Hong Kong and the next thing you know, you realize you're standing in front of senior frogs, you know, like, I mean, yeah. how, how, 
I mean, I, how many of these properties that you guys got into were, were, were falling into that trap? If any. A lot of places fall into these horse traps. And yeah. uh, because, because the, some people feel that they're just selling real estate. And what yeah. happens is I think when you have a great location, that sometimes most, most of the time enables the owner to not put the integrity behind anything that he or she does. Um, they want faster poured cocktails. They're not thinking about the plateware. They're not thinking about the dust that's on the vent sitting above table 25 or the scuff on the banquet on in section three. Um, you know, there's, there's so much attention to detail that's lost when you're just like, ah, I've got the best location. These seats are just going to be filled. I certainly could have probably done the same at the Venezuela when I took over it in 2014, but it was a $3 million business at the time. And it was, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was failing because it was doing well and a lot of people went to it, but it wasn't being perceived in the right way. And there was so much, especially in that location, especially in that location, you know, and I think one of the, one of my favorite, you know, I love sending people there. I love not only because of, of you, but because of the location, you know, and, and you turned something which is why I just when I when you first told me about this show and you first told me about what was going on and and everything that was with it, that's where I kept going back to was the whaler, that transformation. You know, when you used to say to me, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget this day, and I don't know if you remember it before, but you took a picture of the back window of the of the whaler where you guys were now selling breakfast sandwiches, and your yeah. text to me said, "You used to be able to buy an eight ball here. Now you can get uh, now you can get a great breakfast sandwich." <laughs> You know, there like, was, and just that. <laughs> yeah, there was certainly some things that were going on in, in that area that did not apply to the restaurant business. And I know there's plenty of people right. taking over locations that they were sure. other things, but that's a crazy area. Like, let me just yeah. rewind, you know, a couple decades back to the 60s. You know, the area's always been known as Hamburger Square. It used to be run by the Hells Angels. Um, wow. and, and the cops had a huge problem there. You know, the rush, the restaurant, the whaler was then the crab shell. What is now the pier house was the sunset saloon, or it was once called, um, uh, like a white, you know, snow's paradise or something like that. Crazy. Like, oh, God. and, um, the, 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 the cops actually had to meet up with those guys and say, Hey, listen, we're turning this into a tourist destination. Um, we're really re- changing this area around. Um, we're going to give you guys a little area it's called Lancaster, which is inland. And I think that's kind of where the whole breaking, breaking bad kind of thing <laughs> kicked off in that area. But it was, uh, it was always been the wild west. It's been a part of right. Venice. It's not necessarily ever been forgotten, but it's certainly a little bit wilder and less gentrified than other parts of Venice beach. Sure. And, and since then, since 2014, it was a $3 million business only doing 300,000 in food sales. And I changed all the freezers and the refrigerators, uh, sourced new vendors, kicked out Cisco. You know, I didn't want to deal with it because the place was based on pre-made processed canned food. And within the first year and a half, um, food sales increased to 2 million a year. And, wow. and now two mil in one year. Well, well, not only that, but today we're at 4.5 million in food sales with a 25, oh. 27% food cost. 
and it's now pushing the $10 million business where it was a $3 million business. And that changes and ups the value of the real estate, you know, in that area for all the businesses. And it's been a dramatic change to, um, to the area as far as, you know, there's families coming in eating brunch. There's, you know, there's right. all kinds of events and people that I used to see on like Abbott Kinney that I would never see down there. I'm, I'm seeing sitting down and having a Whaler burger. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's by far, you know, one of my biggest accomplishments because I turned something from ass to class and yeah. it was just, I'm really, it, it, I'm very hard on myself. I'm probably my worst enemy as far as pushing myself. I'm constantly saying, you need to be better. You need to do this. You need to do that. And that's like my drive. And some people would drive them crazy, but that's just how I tick. And, but I, you know, for the first time in a, a long time between the show and, and where the businesses are at, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really proud of myself and it feels good to finally kind of say that, but by no means am I put my hands up and doing a, you know, like I, I finished the, uh, the race because it's a constant marathon that's always right. going on. It's never ending. And, and, uh, but, but I know the community is very happy. I've become a really big part of the Venice community. It's, it's, you know, it's really my home away from home. You know, I'm split between Philly and, and California, uh, and Venice beach. But, um, it's, and now we also took over Baja Cantina, which is just up the street on the Venice canals. And that's another business that I used to go to back in the day in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, and, uh, you know, again, an underperforming business that a lot of people don't go to. It's got a beautiful location and it needs, it needs that uplift. So as much as back in the day, I wanted that beautiful new restaurant, you know, as the pier house is, but when you can find a space and that has some good roots and some good history, whether it's turkey or not, you're doing, you know, topical aesthetic changes and whatever you need to do to create the concept that you want to, um, you know, it's, it's a great way to go about it. You're spending far less money. You're working with a place that's already established and you're going to only make things better. So it's, it's been a good model, especially down on, you know, on the water there. But, you know, the show was the whaler. It was, you know, the, the main inspiration for the show. You know, it was exactly that, you know, except doing it on a on a much bigger scale. Yeah. I mean, that, just that the, you you and your partners has have transformed that entire corner. That entire uh, not yeah. fuck the corner, dude. You guys have transformed that entire block. You know, I mean, yeah. I remember going down to, you know, my brothers moved out to L.A. God, I guess 30, not 30 because they're only 46, but, you know, 20 years ago. And I remember going to there was a little brunch spot, a little brunch garden place. What's the dive bar directly across the street from you guys over to the right a little bit? Uh, uh, well, it's either Hanano. Or what was the terrace, the yellow building, is now the, the terrace. Pier house, which a, yeah, which was run so, by this really cool guy, Vladimir, a good friend of mine. But that's now the pier house. That's my new restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So because I remember going out to the terrace and having brunch there like one Sunday afternoon, you know, and it was it was there wasn't much happening. 
You know, there weren't, it, it wasn't what it is now. The vibe wasn't there. And now when you go, when you walk down that street, first off the buzz that's happening on the far left corner, you know, where you are, there's constantly, there's people walking by, there's people standing out front, there's people up on that amazing deck that's overlooking Venice Pier. You know, I mean, you've got so much going on right in that spot with the glass walls that are going up. And then on top of it, you mix in, I mean, dude, you know, your food is, I've watched you progress over the last bunch of years. The pride that you take in the food that you put out now is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, you're the stuff that you're putting together. You know, like I send people to Venice all the time. All the, if you're going to Venice, you're going to talk with Nick. He's probably not there right now, but I fucking, you know, I mean, my friend, Diane, dude, she was just, you know, she was just out there, you know, Diana, who mm-hmm. Diane, you know, she was just out there Saturday night with her kids. They came into Venice for the weekend. Why? Because he wanted a whaler. They live in San Diego. Oh. oh, that's great. So they went, they went in they had a good time. They went in. Oh, come on, man. I mean, and she took pictures. She did the whole nine yards. I think she tagged you. I have no idea. But, but, but that's what you've created. You've got a woman who's driving from San Diego to go up to L.A. to go into the whaler and sit down on that deck and have a burger. You know, I mean, and that's such a great accomplishment, but to watch the pride that you have in the food and the product that you're putting out and the staff, I mean, your staff is on fire. That's a, no, I, I don't know who else is involved in the restaurant and I don't know them. And I'm sure that they're wonderful people, but your pride and your professionalism has transformed a staff because when you walk into that place, you're from your hostess all the way down to, you know, I mean, uh, to the bartender. When you're sitting at the bar, when you're sitting out on that that balcony and the and the servers that are coming out and the way that they're interacting with the people. And I hate to say it, but they're in a tourist bar. You don't get that. Yeah, that is that direct culture of what it is that an owner like you has put into that. You've instilled that in them. You've given them the confidence to be able to treat these people not just like a green, you know, a green dollar bill. And it's a great thing to watch. So that's it. I'm not going to I'm not going to blow you up anymore. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> the, um, you know, and a lot of the employees at the Venezuela were there. There's a number of them that were there before at the old whaler. Wow. Um, that are just become like, you know, some of my closest friends out there and sure. like family. But I've always tried to set the standard because when you're when you're a leader, there's nothing that's below you. There's, you know, yeah. I, I hate anyone that says like it's below my pay grade or anything like that. Like, listen, if there's something not that needs to be clean, I'm the yeah. first, yeah, it's not my job. I, I hate anyone that ever says that. I'm the first mm-hmm. person to take the initiative and get on my hands and knees. Cause I want them to see me doing that. I don't want them to feel yeah. bad, but I want them to know that this is the standard, man. This is what you do. And it never stops. You don't get to a certain level and all of a sudden I don't have to wash dishes anymore or I don't have to do that. But my wife would, would, would uh, disagree with me on that because apparently I, I leave the kitchen a mess at, at home or at some friends' really? houses when I'm cooking. But you and Jen, dis- I mean, you and Jen disagree on things? <laughs> Just you know, every now and then. But, she, uh, I mean, but you know, the first thing I do when I walk into a restaurant is I say hello to everyone. I walk back to the dishwasher. I ask him about his wife, a high five, a hug, a pound. And I work my way sure. all throughout the kitchen, the front of the house, the management, the hostess. And then I move on to the next restaurant. And that way I have that personal connection with everyone to start the day, that they know that I'm there, that I'm connected with them, and that I'm there for anything that they need. Because every single position is an essential part 
to make the machine work every single day. And we also have to be able to pick up the black if the guy in Garmage doesn't show up. Well, you know what? The guy in Saute is, is hopping over there and chucking oysters or making salads. And there's, there's no one that says this isn't my job. I, I think that's probably something right. I can bring up in an interview. And, and California is one of the tougher states in America to operate a business just to how much I think the, the health inspections are that much tougher. Um, the permitting, the, um, you know, all the, the HR things and hourly and the, you know, our minimum wage is $15 an hour. Now it's just, there's so many things they're saying it's going up running a business that much tougher in uh, California. Well, and you've got to be able to read, you know, we talk about this all the time. I just, I had a conversation about this yesterday with the fact that, you know, I mean, I mean, my girlfriend owns a bar up in in uh, in upstate New York. You know, I mean, her her she's the same world. That fifteen dollar an hour, you know, employee. The 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 HR laws, the rules that are now being laid down with all of this that are that are a direct impact into restaurants. You know, I mean, you're not charging. You're not. You didn't just up your burger by five dollars. You know, you're still but, having but you know to what? charge now the money. I'm forced. I'm forced to. We have to adjust with the times, with the, uh, you know, with, you know, with, as far as prices and what people expect. At the end of the day, we are on the ocean. We are spending right. $32,000 plus a month in rent, you know, and oh, that's, Jesus, a, that's a heavy Christ. nut to carry every Salary, month. dude. And, that's a salary. And, and then – that's and a then yearly salary. There's the salary, which which will dwarf that at certain times, you know, most times of the year, because it, it's a big operation and and it's open seven days a week. If we're talking about the Venezuela sure. in particular, but it's been a and but, but you guys are also have, open you know, seven days a week doing breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a late night menu. Correct. I, I actually I just serve brunch now on the weekends at the Venezuela. I, I'm no longer serving. I have breakfast at the takeaway window at, at the WTF Whaler Takeaway Food. It's a little tongue in cheek, and the uh, and then the pier house is the sunny side of the street. So that's why the terrace, which w- was always a big destination for breakfast, because the sun is shining on that it's side of the street. Right. And there's been years where I'm like, can we just put like a mirror on the terrace roof to kind of shine on this <laughs> side to give us more light in the morning? But like, just but now we own that God. business. And I've adjusted different parts of each business um, to complement, you know, themselves and not work against each other because at the end of the day when you're looking at slots of the menu and you're always doing menu production bry and i i've learned a lot from you listening to you talk about it and other things i've heard as far as you know what's boxed and what's you know where this thing should be placed and the prices and you know and that's you know it's constantly evolving you're constantly moving things around but there's a certain slots that you just have to have when you're on the beach in California, you have to have your clam chowder, right. you have to have your burger, you have to have your fries. There's these slots that are just always there. So if I'm doing, let's just say a burger, a calamari and chowder, I have all, I have those three items on both sides of the street. But when you have each of those items on both sides of the street, they're completely different ways of, of making the things, different techniques, different ingredients, different presentation. Uh, the pure house being a little bit more elevated because it's more of a dining environment. And the uh, the whaler being um, a little bit more of that bar grill kind of uh, vibe, um, getting things on like metal lunch trays, um, because the right. business is fast and 
as as we've discovered early on, I mean, I immediately went with plates didn't break, but there was a point where we actually went with plates. But the business runs hard, man, and and there's certain things yeah. you need to adjust in your business as far as your costs that aren't going to be have to be something that you're constantly paying for. Because when you start looking at all those expenditures, you know, throughout the year, you got to you know that that stuff adds up and it bites into ultimately what you're making, what you're netting, what the EBITDA is at the end yeah. of the. Uh, the end of the uh, year, dude. It's the truth, man. I mean, and I think one of the coolest things that I, that I, I I have enjoyed kind of watching is with you know between Venice, you know, slice of Venice with Pier with with um, which by the way I haven't even talked about Venice slice yet. <laughs> um, which was then Cartelina, right? which was was which was then Cartelina, um, our pizza to go pizza place. And then, uh, and now, you know, we just recently adjusted the business in a certain way due to certain rent in one side of the building versus the other and, really? and adjusted the pure house business to be that much more profitable. And I actually moved my kitchen from the back to the front. And it was one of the best moves that we, we did over the past couple months because, Man, I, there's not many kitchens where you're walking by on the street and you see a full-on operating kitchen that's beautifully lit and with the chrome lights and, you know, a rationale and just all the beautiful equipment. And um, it's become just, you know, a stopping point for people. We, we recently just painted a really cool Kobe mural on the side of the kitchen there. I did. And, I saw that. Um, it's a really, really cool corner, and it's transformed into something that I never thought was possible. And the menu is certainly at a place that has been evolving since it opened in July. But, you know, I'm looking at what's selling, what's not, talking to the servers, the, the GM, the management, the, the guests, taking feedback, you know, some good, some bad, and, and making the adjustments that I need to make to create the experience. Because never anyone that's listening to this that thinks you're going to open up a restaurant and you're going to have your hand on the pulse and know what's going on and be like, this is great right off the bat. That's completely untrue. I'm, I personally think it takes a good year and a half to two years to, to be able to gather the data to understand, you know, the times of the year that are nicer because we are dictated by the weather. You know, who wants to go to the beach when it's raining? Not that it rains a lot in California, but there's times of the year where business will dip, mainly being the uh, winter months. But if we're talking any time between April and October, I mean, you're lucky if you can get a seat. Um, but, but, you, but now I've also seen, since what we established at the Venezuela, those slow times are not as much because it's become a destination. It's become an institution. Um, right. And we do, that, we do that through our open mic nights, our karaoke, um, specials. You know, constantly evolving the menu, and and it drives people in. It drives sales. You know, certain sports games in certain places. Um, so it's uh, but it, the community is really what makes that place tick. And there's plenty of locals, both new tourists and returning tourists, that that keep that place going. So it's it's been really nice to see that all kind of uh, happen. And so to add this question in on top of this is probably after with everything that's going on. I mean, what's, what's, what's next? What do you, what are your plans? You guys open in more properties. I mean, the show, I mean, the show comes out in eight days. So we've got eight days before that's going to happen. And right. I mean, what's the, what's the plan, man? Well, I'm, 
being kept very Besides busy. the fact that we get My, to hang out in Vegas in a month. That's true. That as well. Yes, we have the nightclub and bar <laughs> coming up. What are the exact dates of that, Brian? It is... Uh, it's the last Monday, Tuesday of March and Wednesday of April. So whatever that 29, 30, 31, 30, yeah, whatever. Um, we have that amazing, uh, you know, food bar festival that goes on at, uh, in Las Vegas. I'm very excited to get back to that because I couldn't go last year due to the show. Um, I hired a publicist. Uh, they've been keeping me super busy, uh, awesome all to see show appearances and, and, and press junkets, just a- anything we can do to, uh, get the, word out on the show. Um, as I said, we just took over Baja Cantina. So I have some things I'm just kind of finalizing at the other businesses. And I'm really excited to kind of jump into some Mexican cuisine. A lot of the uh, men and women that work for me are from mainly from Oaxaca or Mexico city or um, right. some Salvador. Uh, but these men and women, let me just tell you, man, our family meals in the morning are unbelievable. <laughs> like, like, it's food that I crave. It's like, it's like my mom cooking for me in the morning, like the Mexican mom I never sure. had. But it's, it's like um, the pistole, the clayudas, the, you know, um, um, the tamales, the tacos, you know, all this stuff. And I'm really happy because I've gathered so much, inf- you know, uh, recipes and ingredients and ideas and inspiration I've even gotten on my own traveling to Mexico over the past 25 years to surf. And, and also to cook um, over the past couple of years that I'm now going to really get to start applying that to a place that needs that uplifting. You know, you can only have so sure. many places to go and you get your wet burrito and your nachos and, and this and that. And I, 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 I see a lot of good things happening there, but I also see so much room for growth. And that's been the main feedback that <clears> I'm <throat> hearing from our guests and my uh, partners. And, um, there's just, uh, you know, a number of things that, that I can personally do that's going to improve that business just as we've done at both the pure house and the Venezuela, but the well, show, dude, is, I mean, you've, what's well, that? the show is a big part of the, of my life right now. And, and that, as you said, is about to go live in the next eight days. And, you know, I'm really excited to see the response and, and, you know, that we get, and I'm really hoping to get back behind the camera and start shooting other seasons. That's cool, man. Well, I mean, I hope you do. That's just a given for that. I think one of the things that kind of pulls me that, that, that I'm in awe of is the constant energy level. You know, I mean, you're, you know, between, you know, you've got, you've got a wife and and three kids on the East coast, you know, that are, that are back here and you're still living out on the West coast. Plus you're traveling, you're flying back and forth. I mean, how often is that suitcase actually getting emptied? You know, is it ever? Cause it, it's, for me, like it's not when I walk not, in my house, always, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I walk in my house and I take, and that, that day when I know that I'm not flying for five days and if I can take my suitcase and take everything out of it and just put it in the yeah. corner, even if it's for five days to me, it's like heaven, you know? And then I'm pissed because I, I lost my fire. I left my t- brush like you know but but i mean are you you know is there a settle not a settle down because i would never expect you to are you going to find any any a, a little bit of peace in that travel other well, than the peace that we get being, from travel i think that's part of that piece what i had said a little earlier where you got to be careful with which for you know there's been 
yeah. many chefs I've worked with in the past and I looked at them and I emulated them. I just wanted to be them. I saw them getting on and off yeah. planes, going to places, taking me to certain events, uh, you know, re- exposing me to that life. And it was something that I, I really related with and I wanted far before I had kids and even before I had a wife. So that all, right. you know, everyone's kind of been on that ride with me, but I'll be honest, man, I have been a traveling gypsy chef for the past couple years, man. And I think that pack, that bag is always somewhat packed for the next trip, or at least having myself prepared at, at a moment's notice because between, uh, events, shows and, and, uh, you know, everything that's come along with the restaurant, I'm, I've just been constantly on the go and it's, it, I beat myself up a lot because I'm not giving as much time as my family definitely deserves. And it's, right. you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's by far the toughest thing that I have to go through in my life because, you know, there's times I, you know, I'm away for a while and I come back and I'm like, wow, this one's gotten a little bit older. This one's saying this, wow, she's talking yeah. a lot, you know, it's <laughs> like, and I'm just like, oh my God. But I'd like to say they're young enough where they're not going to remember. Cause I know for sure my father worked multiple jobs when I was a kid. And um, I, I remember the, I remember him not being as present and it was because he was doing everything he could to give us a uh, great life. And I think just like you but have I, emulated and, and respect your parents, you know, I want to, uh, we always want to give to our children that much more than what we were given. And, and my, my yeah. parents set the bar very high. So that's, that's just been a constant thing that I'm always pushing myself because everything that I do is for my three girls and my, and my wife, everything, you know, I, I, you know, there's nothing that I do in my day that, that isn't thinking about the outcome or what can happen and how it's going to benefit my family. Sure. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that, especially in, in the situation that you have, the, you know, there's no, there, there is no downtime. There's no downtime. No. In reality, the downtime that you're getting is when you're putting your head on your pillow, either in a hotel, in your, you know, wherever you're staying when you're in LA, on a plane, and when you're getting home. But, but the midst, in, in the interim of all of that, you know, you're leaving a restaurant, you're getting in a car, you're going to an airport, you're flying across the country, you're coming home. You now have to be back on. You have to be back mm-hmm. on because now you're a dad, three girls directly in front of you who are dying for your attention. Your wife wants to talk to you. Your wife needs a fucking break. You're, you know, you want to see your family. You've got to go. You know, it's like it's never because I see you. You'll be like, can't wait to get back to Philly. And then the next shot is you're at a restaurant, you know, yeah. and it's like yeah. that is that it's this. I mean, you know, and I. Like I, my girls are older now, so, and I'm divorced, so I don't, you know, my, my youngest daughter's with my ex-wife when I'm not home and my oldest daughter's in college. So there are times when I come home and I walk in the house and I'm like, I get to sit down. And I thought about this last week. I flew home, I landed and I was like, I get to sit down at the house as soon as I get there. I really don't have to do much. I got to walk the dog. You know, I had to pick the dog up and walk the dog. But it's funny because I think we flew on the same day and you like, you know, can't wait to get back to Philly, whatever it was. And then it was like, boom, pictures of you with kids, boom, pictures of you with mom and dad having dinner, boom, pictures with you and Jen out later having drinks. And you just fucking flew across the country. So it's like, there's not a lot of downtime at all. No. And, and that's a tough to thing to do. Get on, yeah, and I'm about to get on a plane at six o'clock tonight in Philly and fly back to LA and oh. hit the ground at 
12 o'clock tonight and get settled in for a few hours, wake up, go for a run just to clear my head or maybe a surf and, uh, and then get right back in, right back at work. Um, and act like it didn't happen. And I'm there and put in another 12 to 15 hour day, whatever it takes. You know, I don't put any, right. I never look at my day and how many hours I'm putting in because when I wake up, I'm, I'm, picking up my phone and my, my laptop and I'm returning emails and I'm working on things that I can't necessarily get done within the restaurant. And then I'm in work and I'm constantly, yeah. you know, evolving the business and, and that goes on all, all day. And then the minute I can even get out at that point, I just want to be alone. I just want to be able to sit down, maybe <laughs> have a glass of scotch yeah. and just relax and, and catch up with my family and, but I'm immediately already back on my phone and constantly returning emails and it's just, there's not enough time in the day, but I'm happy moving at that pace. I'm ha- I, I like to stay constantly busy and, um, trust yeah, me, there, I'm, I'm a beach bum at heart. I, I, I grew up going to the beach in both Jersey and in California. I love to be able to just chill out on the beach, have great conversations, surf. I like going on vacation when I can, but I'm always working. I'm always looking at the food. I'm always looking, peeking into the kitchen. I'm looking at service. I'm, I'm looking at clothing. I'm looking at design. I'm thinking about the next thing. I'm already creating new vision boards um, of, of things that I would like to see happen or what I would like to use. And I think that's, we all do that. You know, we're all looking at, we're trying to pick apart different things throughout our life experiences. And how can we incorporate that into um, something that, will emulate ultimately what we want to be or what we want people to experience. Yeah. Well, dude, why don't you give us a last round of information on the show? Let everybody know where they can see it, the dates and all the good stuff. And, uh, yeah, again, the show is restaurants on the edge. Um, you can follow me at chef Nikki. Um, but also you can follow uh, restaurant on the edges, uh, Instagram page, which is exactly that. The show premieres, uh, season one premieres on February 28th on Netflix. So you don't, if you don't have an account, definitely get one. I promise there's plenty of things to see on there and you'll be able to binge out and watch the show. And I guarantee <laughs> you'll want, you'll be on Expedia or Priceline or Travelocity trying to book yourself a ticket somewhere amazing because life is too short time. You cannot buy. That's the one thing money can't buy. So make sure everyone, you know, you know, live this life strong and make sure you, you take advantage of everything you could possibly do within it because it's far too short not to. Well, dude, I'm super stoked for it. I can't wait to see it. Um, and I'm proud of you, man. I love it. I love it. Thanks. man. So, and I get to hang out really with you in Vegas excited. in a couple of days. So Which I am, you know, we get so our, we get our, excited for. <laughs> is Jen coming? Uh, um, we'll see. We're, we're trying to figure that out. We'll see if my, uh, okay. my parents, mom, dad, if you're listening, maybe you guys can watch the girls, uh, yeah. Jennifer and mom and dad, Vegas. can you watch the girls? It's it for four days. It's just four days. Mom and dad, I'll even take the red eye back on Wednesday night <laughs> with Nick and Jen to make sure they get home. All right. Uh, I'm going out yeah. Friday to Thursday, dude. So. Okay, cool. Um, well, there, there, there's yeah, a possibility I, I may be coming in here uh, beforehand, but we'll just see what's going on with business on the West Coast. But uh, I'll definitely see you in Vegas. And I'm looking forward to having some cocktails, cooking some food, and uh, creating more great experiences together, buddy. Well, for what it's worth, I'm in Vegas Friday night, 
and I don't have any plans yet. Just so you know, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. So <laughs> we'll be able to talk about the state of the union. <laughs> yeah. the, the state of the I have no idea what you're talking about. Not a clue. No idea. Where are the managers? Give me a manager. Um, oh, I love well, it. Nick, I love you, brother. And I'm super stoked love for you. you. And uh, Restaurants on the Edge, we're stoked to get this on. It's February 28th, everybody, on Netflix. Get your binging ready to rock and roll. And uh, Nikki Libs, thanks for everything, brother. I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you so much, Brian. Love you, man. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Cheers, brother. Love you, too. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Liberato, you got to love that guy, man. Just there's there's so much passion that is uh, that is deep down there um, that is exploding, you know, on a, on a daily basis. I mean, our conversations, uh, uh, one of the great things about having a friend like Nick is, especially in the industry, is that you, you both get it. You know, I mean, we have the conversations back and forth. Then on top of it, we are. We're dad girls, man. You know, we've got, uh, you know, he's got three little ones and I've got two and you know, we have a lot of fun with that kind of banter back and forth and going on and similar kind of East Coast upbringings and, you know, parents that worked really hard and all that stuff. So it's a good it's a good thing. And um, it's a good balance as well to kind of be, to be able to try to have that fun with somebody while still being professional. And to watch Nick Cook is is a joy. You know, I mean, to see him interact in the kitchen with his staff, the way that he handles food, the way that he respects it. Um he is one of those chefs. He is one of those guys um, who gets it. You know, there's a there's a a true respect for the craft, and it's a really really neat thing to watch. You know, a lot of guys are slapping things down and um, you know just kind of just kind of cooking, but um, Nick creates, and that's that's a really inspiring thing to see. And when I watch him cook it, it, it inspires me. It puts a, you know, there's a fire, there's a flame, there's something that, that happens inside of me that makes me want to do things a little differently, or it, it gives me a, an, a bit of information that I can take into another level. Um, and that's always fun to me. And that's what, what it, that's why we do what we do. You know, there's a lot of chefs out there, like Nick had said a little bit earlier, that that they don't want to share their information. They don't want to share their experiences in that way. And it's such a nice group of people that we have together that are um, that are really out to help each other. You know, I mean, it's a great group of people. So to my uh, to my core out there, you guys know who you are. I mean, I'll throw everybody out there. We got uh, Nikki Liberato. We got Panini Pete. We got Chad Rosenthal, Matt Varga, Keith Breedlove, Kayla Robeson. Uh, who am I forgetting and how am I forgetting in any way? Russ Zito. Um, who am I forgetting? Well, now I feel like an asshole because I thought I was just going to just going to kind of wheel them off that way. But, um, you know, we, we got a good group of people out there and and it's it's a it's a a pleasure for me to be able to share my friends with you guys. So everybody do me a favor and get on to uh, the world of Nick Liberato. You can go to Twitter at Cali Delphia. That's C-A-L-I-D-E-L-P-H-I-A. Chef Nick Liberato on uh, Facebook, and then you've got Chef Nikki on Instagram. So get out there and talk with him and, and follow him and, and watch him and be inspired by him to do something really pretty amazing. Um, this week, uh, thanks everybody. Hey, cheers, rock and roll. We got a, you know, a Nick Liberato show on, on Instagram or on, uh, Netflix coming out, uh, restaurants on the edge, February 28th, Netflix. I think that's one of the coolest things that we have to do now. It's not like I have to tell you three o'clock on Thursday afternoon. Like that's not the way it is. You can binge watch this mug. You can check and see where they're going. They're in, in, uh, St. Lucia. 
uh, you know, Hong Kong. Um, I'm super stoked to see these episodes, and I can't wait to watch it happen. So uh, let's thank all the people that have robbed with the Duffified Live world. We've got Jerry and Jason, my my buddies, my friends down there in Tampa, Florida, uh, who have radio influence. You've got a podcast. Go now and tell them, and they'll let you know whether or not they're interested. Rock and roll. It's the basics of it. It's very, very simple, boys and girls. you got a 100% shot of a no if you don't ask. Fitty, fitty, yeah, you do. Um, let's talk about Maggie Gagliardi, the unbelievable artist out of Connecticut, who is up there, who does all of our promo pieces. And then, uh, let's talk about, and that's Mag's art at M A G Z A R T. Let's talk about Michelle out there at techno solution. Just created a new logo for me, boys and girls. My barbecue spice logo is done and we are ready to rock and roll with it. I love my creativity that I have with this woman. I, 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 I put a couple of words down. I, I say a couple little things and Michelle creates. We go back and forth on one or two emails, sometimes three or four on visions. And, and, and she, she just consistently executes. And it's one of the greatest feelings to know that you are working with somebody who can take your vision and put it to paper. And that is such a great thing to do. It's the same thing that happened with Radio Influence. When I first started with these guys, I was gun shy. I thought that everybody in the podcast world was just a weirdo. You know, people were lying to you and cheating you because nobody knew what the fuck was going on. You know, Jerry and Jason were like, hey, man, we'd love to do a podcast with you. And the next thing you know, here we are. Do you realize that this right now is episode number 125? Nick Liberato is my number 125 episode. That's 125 episodes that we've done with these guys. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't be prouder. I absolutely love this. It makes me a super happy man. And uh, now that I just realized that this is episode 125, I'm pretty good. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us this week on Duffified Live. Get out there and tell all your friends about it. Go tell them now. I love you. And then do me a favor. Just go be nice to people. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 